Welcome back to Season 2 of Radio Her, a weekly career podcast presented by the Women in Business Association at the University of Toronto Scarborough. Hello, my name is Freni and I'm a fourth year student majoring in health studies and double minoring in psychology and economics at UTSC. I am the co-president of the Women in Business Association and a co-host of our podcast. Hi, my name is Maisha Zahir and I'm a second year student in the co-op management and finance program at the University of Toronto Scarborough. I'm also the director of events for the Women in Business Association and the co-host for this episode. Joining us today is Heidi Poon, a graduate with a Bachelor of Business Administration in Marketing from University of Toronto Scarborough. She's currently working within the CPG industry as an assistant brand manager at Mars, where she oversees some key brands. Heidi was actively involved during her time at university as the co-founder of the Brand Mentorship Program, a marketing partner at the Management Consulting Group, and as the VP of Student Engagement at MESA. Heidi also has her own podcast, Happy Spotless Minds, which is a business and lifestyle podcast that we'll talk about in the episode as well. Heidi, thank you so much for being with us today, and we are honored to have you as our guest on Season 2 of Radio Her. Thank you. Yeah, so happy to be here. And as I mentioned to the both of you before, I'm so happy that there's a platform like this to be able to speak to and really help these students. So thank you to the both of you guys for, for doing that. Thank you. Heidi, before we dive into this episode, we wanted to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself as well. What is one word you would use to describe yourself and why? One word is definitely hard, but if I had to say, it would probably be a listener because I think that in every situation that you are in, it is best to listen first before acting. So I've really found the benefit of being able to take a step back, listen to others, learn from others' experiences, what they have to say, their advice, and then be able to act upon it. So I would say that's one of the core reasons why I have a podcast too. I just want people to be able to listen to different perspectives and be able to learn from them. So that would definitely be my one choice of word. (laughs) Thank you. And uh, let's get started with the questions that we have for you today. So the first part of questions are based around your undergraduate experience. And my first question here is, why did you choose to specialize in marketing? Was it a result of taking certain courses, interacting with professors, or is it something that you always knew entering university? Honestly, funny story. It is actually because I was going down the list of different specialists I had. So I had accounting, finance, marketing, strategy, I guess, and then just general management. And I was just like taking off the boxes of like what I couldn't do. So I was like, finance, not interested. Accounting, I'm not that good at math. (laughs) Strategy, yeah, I could go into strategy, but I was like, this is really broad. Like I want something creative. And I always thought of marketing as just creatives, like ads, commercials, like doing different like PR events, working with social media influencers. So I was like, yeah, like I'll try marketing. Like I seem to fit it. Um, It seems to be something that interests me. So I guess coming into the university and coming into business management, I kind of already knew I wanted to go to the marketing route, not particularly because I knew what marketing was, but because I would eliminate all my other options and be basically like, oh, well, I guess I'll just try marketing. 
Thank you. And my next question here is, you've contributed so much to the school community as a VP of Student Engagement at MESA, a marketing partner at MCG, and a co-founder of the Brand Mentorship Program. Many students question whether, you know, club experience is relevant at all. And what do you have to say about that? Yeah, so I would say my perspective is definitely skewed and biased because I was in so many extracurriculars. I would definitely say like you don't have to overconsume yourself with extracurriculars. I definitely think that there should be a 50-50 balance though because part of the university experience is being able to work with others learn with others, grow with others. And I think extracurriculars gives you that opportunity to be able to meet other people that you can really form lifelong friendships with and relationships with as well. So I would say it doesn't have to be a business club if you're in a business program per se. I think that a lot of students sometimes feel like, okay, I come into business management, I need to go to a marketing club, I need to be part of AOA, need to be part of MESA. But a lot of the times what stems from it is you can really make your own experience what you want it to be. And I would probe every single one of you to really think back, okay, what is one hobby or one club that I would want to join and take away from as a university experience and be able to do that? Because I would say when I first got into university, I did not join any clubs in first year. So first year me was very shy, you know, didn't know many people, didn't really involve myself in activities. And in second year, I think a lot of that has changed because of my confidence. So when I first went to Mesa to go for an interview, I was like, oh, I'm gonna just do this for fun. Like, I don't think I'm gonna make it like I am not confident. I am not the right candidate. Like, I'm going to just try because it seems like a cool club. Like, I want to join and, like, help students out. So I would say the biggest barrier for a lot of students is probably that first step. So I would encourage you to take a step back and think, okay, if I were to leave university, what is that one club I want to join? And just do it. Just go for it. And you will not regret that experience. Thank you. I definitely agree. I mean, being part of clubs that you are actually interested in hoping to contribute and also take back from them is important because it's especially when you're in first year, it's a great way to meet other students and also just to, you know, develop more connections and also feel like you're actually part of a community at UTSC. For sure. And honestly, like I met one of my best friends through a club, not to say like disclaimer, you know, you might go in and find a club that you don't feel like you fit right in. And then next year, you just try for another club. That may be the case. But I'm also saying you may be able to meet lifelong friends (laughs) through clubs as well. Mm -hmm. Definitely agree. And my next question here is that, you know, you've completed your work terms at Rogers Communication as a digital product intern, at TELUS as a change management intern, and at Mars as a marketing intern. So how was your job search experience and what are some of the learnings and key takeaways that you have? So from a job searching experience standpoint, I would say, you know, don't give up. Funny story for me is when I was starting out in my second year trying to apply for jobs, I got like five interviews throughout the whole summer. And then come fall, everyone's starting their work term. And still, here I am with no job. 
So I'm going into September and I'm like, okay, I really need to find a job, I guess, because all of my friends are starting their work term and here I am with no job. So I would say definitely continue to persevere because I would say in my case, the best job that fitted me ended up being because I waited for it. There was a lot of times where I would take sort of these interviews because we're always encouraged to apply to as many jobs as you can, maybe hit that 50 benchmark. I know there's that 50 benchmark for resumes and then just go for interviews. And I personally, at the back of my head, was going to these interviews being like, huh, like, I don't know if I'm the right fit, like, maybe I'm not. And then I ended up not getting it. So it was for the better because I waited that period. I continued to have enthusiasm going into September, going into fall, and I was able to find a job that I found really suited me as well. So the best things always take time. And I would say don't be discouraged because, you know, it always works out. Even for me, like I had to wait till mid-September to get my job, but it worked out for me. So don't lose hope. And I would say, what are some key learnings and key takeaways I would take away is, I guess there's two. So the first one I would say is, don't be afraid to reach out. I think for networking, we always throw around the word networking and it seems very daunting, but I think it's as simple as being curious and wanting to learn about someone else. And I think if you have that mentality, it's a lot easier for you to reach out to people to then build those connections instead of thinking like, oh, it has to be like a breakfast where I have my business card with me and I need to like give them my business card and slip in my LinkedIn. Like it doesn't have to be like that. Coffee chats are just an opportunity for you to learn about other people. And if you go in with that mindset, it's a lot easier for you to approach these things. So I would say networking is really important and how you do it, that mindset I think was something I learned as I was going into my second and my third work term. And then I would say my second learning would be to honestly just take a step back and make a list. I'd say go on to like a Microsoft Word document, make a list of, okay, what do I think these jobs can offer for me? And also, what can I offer these jobs? Because I think as you're going into your work term, you want to think about it holistically, not just about like, okay, what job can I get and what job can I get the quickest? You also want to think, what can I get from this experience just as much as how much I can contribute to that experience? So if you're making a list of that, that will prepare you a lot more as you're crafting up your resume, as you're preparing for your interview to be able to sell yourself as much as be able to know what job you're going into. Thank you so much, Heidi. I agree with everything you've said. And just touching upon the first point that you said, you know, sometimes we're caught up in this race of, you know, getting our first co-op work term or getting our first internship and, you know, seeing everyone else around us, you know, going and, you know, working. But I think it's really important to take your own time because, again, everyone is at different stages in their life. And, you know, there are many ways that you can reach and, you know, establish the career that you want here, right? And again, I think it's really important to take the time to also sit down and think about where you want to be and what you actually want to do, right? Because there's no point in applying to so many jobs if you don't know how you would be able to contribute and what you want to learn from it, right? And definitely, I think 
networking sometimes is really daunting, but it's also about being your true authentic self. And that's when you will be able to form real and meaningful connections with other people. And again, it's really important to also just connect with people and you don't always have to start with industry professionals, right? I think that even starting with just senior students and alumni can be a great way to build confidence. So thank you so much for sharing those amazing tips. I think it would be really helpful for our listeners today. Yeah, my prompt to everyone listening today is to reach out to one person, whether that be through email or LinkedIn, just do it. To give you some comfort, I didn't start networking until probably like third or fourth year. And it's not bad, but it's just like it's later than I guess like what my other friends were doing, what I've been seeing. But the thing is, it's not about when you start because you can start at any time. So I prompt anyone who hasn't started to start today. So the second part of questions that we have for you here today are around your professional journey at Mars. So getting started with how you got the job. So what was the application and interview process like for an assistant brand manager role at Mars? How were you able to leverage your co-op experiences to secure this full-time job after graduating? Yeah, so I would say the way that I was able to get the interview was actually a little bit interesting. So I went for QMAC, which is Queen's Marketing Association Conference. So they do it every year and it's a marketing-based conference where a lot of big companies come, they have presentations, it's a three-day conference, you stay over downtown Toronto. And I actually did this in my fourth year. So I was about to graduate and one of my friends wanted to, to go to this and I was like, sure, like I'll go, like I like marketing. Like, let's see what I can get from this experience. And what ended up happening is I was able to have the opportunity to meet Mars, the company, kind of meet the people there. And I was like, I love this company. I love what they stand for. They have amazing brands like Skittles, Starburst. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I want to work for that. So what ended up happening is I had to apply online and there was a full day interview. So once they contacted me, they actually brought me into their office for a full day panel interview and there were two sections. So the first part of it in the morning was a 45 minute session and it was with their marketing director as well as one of their senior brand managers. And it was just a deep dive onto personality. I think a lot of the times as we're kind of seeing CPG companies evolve, we see the importance that they place on that workplace culture. So being able to make sure that your personality fits in with their culture and fits in with the people and the employees that they have in their organization. So I would say the first part was all about culture, who you are, what your favorite courses are, et cetera, et cetera. And then the session in the afternoon was all about my situational experiences. So it was situational based, a lot of questions about like problem solving skills, analytical skills, et cetera, et cetera. And then I would say there was also a case tied to it. So there was a five to 10 minute case where I had to look at some data, be able to turn them into insights, and then present a solution back to the company. So I had to do that between five to 10 minutes, a very short case. So I would say that was my lengthy interview. And it was a whole day with around, I'd say eight other students. 
So I'd say very intense from the get-go, but it was very interesting to go through that whole experience because I had never, I'd never been through that before. All of my other interviews were like one to two rounds. It was like 15 minutes with the HR person. So I'd say definitely if you're interested in an ABM role, um, as you're going into this, make sure that you're prepping for both situational questions, a case-based question, as well as just answering things about who you are, what you bring to the company, and like how you culturally will fit within the organization. And for the second question, how I was able to leverage my co-op experiences, I'd say most of my resume was filled with only my co-op experiences. I would say a lot of what you do within your co-op or with roles that you feel like may not fit within the job that you're applying to actually has a lot of transferable skills and it has more than you can imagine. So just for some context, I had no marketing experience going into my assistant brand manager interview with Mars. No marketing experience. I, I was on maybe a marketing club, things like that. And I had an interest in marketing and that was all. And I would say you're able to transfer those skills that you leveraged as a product manager, as a digital analyst, to be able to vouch for yourself to then apply those skills in marketing. So don't be afraid to take upon those co-op experiences and think about, okay, how do I apply this to a business problem? Not a marketing problem, not an analytical problem, but a business problem. Because then you'll be able to leverage a lot of those skills and transfer them into what you're applying to. Thank you so much. Those are some great insights. And I'm sure this would be really helpful for students that are looking to get into the CPG industry, as well as um, looking to pursue a career in marketing. And I definitely agree. I think, you know, when you were talking about personality tests and also just doing case competitions right away, I think it's really important to be prepared to be able to act quickly and also to establish your personal brand, right? Personal brand is becoming more important than ever. When you're in your early years at university, it's a good way to get started about thinking about what your brand is and who you are as a person and how do you want to come off and, you know, so that's that's becoming really important. And also, I definitely agree that, you know, you, there are always transferable skills that you can use to, from your club experiences or from your co-op work terms, like don't be scared if you don't have the right skills that directly fit for the job. You know, the, your personality and your attitude is also something that matters. I see that a lot of times students who don't necessarily have the skills but have the willingness to learn end up doing really well in those positions. Moving on to our next question in this section. What are some of your day-to-day -day responsibilities at Mars and how is the work culture like? Yeah, so I would say when I explain what I do, I actually bring it back to something we've all learned in university. So I really want to shed light on, you know, what marketing is and what an ABM does because I feel like a lot of the times marketing is just thought of as, as I mentioned before, promotions, commercials, but I think there's so much more strategy behind it um, that I would love students to understand. And I think how I would break it up is what I do is the four Ps, product, price, promotion, and place. That is what an ABM does on the daily. 
So I'll break it down. For product, what we do is product innovation. A lot of the times what we do is we think about our brands that we own and we're like, okay, what new products should we bring into the Canadian market? For example, I can take Skittles. Do we want to get sour Skittles? Do we want to get spicy Skittles? So we think about that ideation and we normally go through different processes to bring them to life. So we have to work on a PL. We have to, you know, present to the business about why this fits in with the brand strategy. Things like that go under product and also with product management as well. The second one is price. So we work with a team like the finance team or a strategic revenue team to be able to think, okay, how can we strategically price our products in the market? How should they be priced at a Walmart versus a Loblaws? So that is something that we discuss on the daily. We have meetings with our cross-functional team members to be like, okay, what's the right price that we can set it at to be competitive in the market? The next one is promotion. So that's sort of what marketing is generally known for. Promotion is everything from, you know, we want to work with social media influencers. We want to do experiential marketing in a mall. We want to have billboards, you know, in downtown Toronto, things like that. We work with agencies to bring those to life. So we work on the graphics component. We work on, um, the quantity, the strategy behind it, who we're working with. So we're given an allotted budget for promotions and then we basically spend it and have to present to the business what is our strategy and what is the ROI on this strategy. And then I would say the last one is place. So place, we work a lot with sales. So sales is another component of the business that is more, you know, customer facing. They work more with Loblaws and Walmart to really help us with distribution of our products. Like that's how you get to see our products on shelf. So for place, what we do is we work with the sales team closely to basically say, okay, how can we sell in our Skittles to a Walmart? How can we get more distribution so it's at more stores, it's at the front of the store, once the consumer comes in, they can see it, they can grab it immediately. So I would say that's the last component of it is place. So that is basically what my day-to-day responsibilities look like as an ABM. So I own the brand and I'm able to drive that brand strategy behind it. And then I would say the work culture, of course, I joined during COVID. So it is a little bit different. I wasn't able to fully experience the Mars culture, but I would say a lot of the times it's how close-knit everyone is and how supportive it is. So I would say that's the work culture that I am in. I would describe it with those two words. I'd say coming in as an ABM, as a new grad, I was so surprised as to how supportive everyone was. Like my manager would be able to sit down with me for three to four hours to onboard me. Um, And that's something that I hadn't seen anywhere else before because most of the time, maybe I'm given like some modules to learn or something else to read up on. But being able to have that person-to-person connection, even through the screen, was something I hadn't experienced before and something I really appreciated. So I would use supportive as well as close-knit as the two words I would use as, as my work culture. Because I'd say like the last two weeks, I met up with my coworkers. We went to karaoke. We went to a bar. Yeah, so all of that was just like super fun for me. And I feel like we're starting to hopefully live um, a pre-COVID sort of work culture life again. Thank you so much for that answer. It was really cool to really get to know about um, 
what it takes to get the product from creation to the shelves and an insight into what an ABM does. So thank you so much for that. Moving on to our next question. What are some brands you manage um, as an ABM at Mars? Could you tell us about some more campaigns that you've worked on? So I'm in the pet care industry. So I work on four different brands. So there's Caesar, Pedigree, Neutro, and Iams. So for anyone who maybe has a pet, has a dog, you should and probably would know these brands. So mainly I manage these four brands under a portfolio of dog food um, and some campaigns that I've worked on. One really cool one that I've been able to work from the beginning to the end is actually a new product launch. So what's really cool about this is compared to anything else in the industry, we're actually having real food, um, like wet food that we're providing for consumers. So what I was able to do is actually work on the whole you know like PR campaign behind it the whole Instagram campaign so we were able to do like TikTok um, we're planning on doing like Instagram and Facebook and working with influencers so that was actually really cool for me to execute because first of all this is a product um, within the competitive landscape that has never been launched before so it's something completely new a new format a new look everything And second of all, I was able to actually take a digital marketing spin to more traditional marketing that we've done in the past. So I would say because CBG is more of a traditional industry, it takes a little bit longer for us to be able to probably adapt to the more like TikToks of the world or the more technological advancements um, in marketing. But what I was able to actually pioneer within Mars was being able to test and learn TikTok, being able to try out these digital initiatives that we hadn't done before. So that was something really, really cool that I'm really proud to like stamp my name on. Thank you so much for that. Um, That is really cool to hear how um, you as a new grad worked on launching a fresh new product and incorporated digital marketing into Mars, which was something so new for them. So congratulations on your successes with that. Moving on to our next question, what are some skills and abilities and personal attributes that are essential in your role as an assistant brand manager in the CPG industry? I would probably break it down into three key skills. The first one I would say is, and it sounds basic, but I'll give an explanation, is communication skills. And I will explain what communication skills means when you apply it in your everyday working environment. So I came into Mars thinking, I have pretty good presentation skills. I can talk to people. That's what communication skills are, right? No, it's not what it's about. (laughs) A lot of the times what I found I struggled so much with and what I really had to learn on the job was being able to dissect, let's say, an a thousand word essay into three sentences. Like that is what communication is about. How are you able to take a bunch of information and present it in three key easy points to your stakeholders? So I would say that is so important because a lot of the times 
when you come in into the CPG industry or in any role I would say you're in, you come in as the expert. No one else is the expert on your role or is expected to be the expert in your role but yourself, which means when you're explaining things to other team members, to other stakeholders, you need to make sure and know at the back of your head that they're not as knowledgeable in this field as you are. So you have to explain it to them in the most simple terms, but something that will hit, that will have a lot of impact. And I think that's the hardest to do. How are you able to summarize an a thousand word essay into three key sentences and make sure you're choosing the three most important points? So I would say that is communication and something you really want to work on as you're going into your first role. The second one I would say is all about adaptability. So I think that whatever you do, and I had the same mindset as well, like I am a perfectionist, which means I wanted to go into every situation knowing exactly the outcome of what's going to happen, knowing exactly like A, B, C, D, E will get me to F. Like I just have to follow this flow and I'll get to where I am. But I think the interesting thing that I've learned is you know, you always will have curves thrown at you, problems will be thrown at you. And it's not about, you know, what the problem is. It's about how you go about solving it. I think that's the most important part. How do you go about problem solving, working on your feet, quickly going back and forth and solving it as soon as possible? And I would say adaptability is a huge part of that. For example, there was this one time, I guess, like I was working on a campaign and, you know, I was working between agencies and a lot of the time you're working between different stakeholders, you're reporting back and forth and you're working on a timeline. What ended up happening is because one of the stakeholders could not abide by the timelines, it pushed our whole project back. And I remember when that situation happened, I was like, oh my gosh, I effed off, like, I completely, like, ruined this whole thing, like, I will not be able to execute the campaign. But I would encourage anybody to be able to take a step back and not think about why this solved, and not think about why this problem happened. Think about how you're going to solve it. So, What you're going to do is, you know, talk to XYZ stakeholder, make sure you're telling your manager everything that happened, problem solving on your feet and going into action. So I would encourage everyone to do that as well. And my last one would be most likely teamwork. I think teamwork is such a huge part of it. And, you know, people, I think, sometimes take it lightly as to what teamwork really is. And I'm still on a learning journey as to being able to really work with others. And I think the first step of being able to work collaboratively with others is understanding what other people's key responsibilities are. Because a lot of the time when you're kind of fighting from your perspective with another team member, with another stakeholder, for example, you're like, I really want to push this product forward because I believe it will help our brands grow 10% share, for example. You really need to seek to understand what that other person's roles and responsibilities are and making sure that you're compromising with them. So a lot of the times, you know, when I'm talking from a marketing perspective, I talk from a, you know, share growth perspective or I'm talking about like I think this is good for my brand and for my products. But 
what you fail to sometimes understand is maybe the other person on the other end of the call, you know, doesn't really care about your brand growth. They care about, you know, supply chain. They care about, you know, their customer, Walmart, blah, blahs. So a lot of the time when you're communicating and you're working with other team members, seek to understand what their key roles and responsibilities are, what their key KPIs are, and you'll be able to find a common ground to then compromise with them. I think that was really helpful. Like, it's nice that you broke down every single skill because I do agree. Like, you know, I just finished my first co-op work term and I, we have a really wrong sense of what communication skills are. And we're always like, you know, we're so good at this. But then stepping into the work term, I think the most tough part to do is to literally break down four to five pages into, you know, just four to five lines and you know doing that using less words and also being you know explaining every single thing well and also being clear and to the point it it takes a lot of work and it's something that you develop you know a step by step but yeah that's that's a really important point that you brought up with and I'm glad that you brought it up because it hasn't really been brought up in the other podcast episodes that were recorded so thank you Yeah, no, I definitely resonate with you. Like, I'm still on this learning journey. It is so hard. Like, it's actually, like, (laughs) it's very difficult. So I totally resonate with you. It's like, how do I explain it and break it down? Like, not to say, like, the other person's a five-year-old, but I've definitely had this phrase brought up to me from the leadership team. They're like, explain it to me like I'm five and I don't know, like, anything you're talking about. And I'm like, that's actually the hardest thing to do, but I'll try. (laughs) Okay, so, um, you know, when transitioning into the workplace, some people may struggle with getting comfortable with their coworkers. So how have you been able to network and form meaningful relationships at work? Yeah, I would say I definitely resonate with this, especially networking through COVID is just something different. I would say like it's not a good or a bad, it's just different. I think that there's a positive to it as well as a negative. For example, the negative of networking through COVID is you're not able to see people face to face. You're not able to maybe see their facial reactions, interact with them, you know, get closer and really meet them in person. But I think on the other hand, it's a lot easier to just schedule coffee connects now. I'd say like before, maybe in the office, you'd have to walk up to someone and be like, hey, do you want to grab a coffee? Maybe we can just chat, get to know each other. And that can be a little daunting for sure. I would say given through COVID, the positive of it is just send them an email. Send them an email to be like, hey, can we have a coffee connect? Can we talk through some things? Would love to understand like your job and your role. So I would say when I'm trying to get comfortable with my coworkers or just try to get to know people, what I always do in my first Coffee Connect is three things. First, I want to introduce myself. So what I've found really helpful, and I would say it's really dependent on your work culture too. I would say at Mars, we always have sort of fun slides about us. So we have a slide that's like, hey, this is me. Like, this is the four things I like to do outside of work. And this is a little bit about me. So I would say if you want to leverage a slide that's like a fun slide where you add like photos of yourself and you and your family, your friends, etc., feel free to do that. That's something that I do. 
That's my first step. The second step is opening it up to them. So being able to get to know them a little bit more and asking questions that you are genuinely curious about. So take a step back and be like, okay, if I am going into a coffee chat with a marketing manager, what do I want to know about their job? And also, what do I want to take away from the conversation? So think about maybe top three questions you would want to ask them. And then I would say the last part of it is also a question that I always like to ask to be able to connect with my coworkers with or just like connect and get to know other people is let's say I'm going in as a marketing assistant manager, so an ABM. I always ask, you know, how can marketing help you do your job better or help support your team better? So I find that that is a great question for you to ask when you're networking, when you're getting to know other people, because then they'll be like, okay, I think marketing can support me in XYZ way um, to help me do better in my job, for example. And you can really take that away with both a closer connection to that coworker as well as a better understanding of how you can do well in your job, not just within the marketing team, but to help other people within the organization. And then I would say how to form meaningful connections at work. I would say the one thing you want to remember is you're not going to click with everyone. And I think this is something that someone told me is I think we have such a mindset going into work that we have to network with everyone. We have to create these mentor relationships with everyone to be able to learn. And even if we feel like we don't really click with these people, like we have to just because like networking is about like everyone, you know, I would say take a step back. And how you create meaningful relationships is, of course, yes, branching out, networking. But in terms of creating long existing relationships, that is in your hands. And if you don't click with that person, if you don't feel like you are fully comfortable with, you know, the certain person that you're creating that relationship with, it's okay to take a step back and be like, hey, like, okay, maybe I should continue networking and find someone who I feel like I really click with on a personal level, as well as from a professional standpoint as well. So I'd say as you're thinking about creating meaningful relationships, don't be afraid to first take a branch, take a stab out, network with 50 people, set up those coffee connects, then maybe dial it down to the top 10 people that you feel like really inspire you, really motivate you, and then continue to set up like monthly connects, bi-monthly connects, and create those long-term lasting relationships. Thank you so much, Heidi. I definitely agree. It's really important to assess when you're networking about how you can support that person and how the other person can support you, right? Because it's supposed to be a mutually beneficial relationship and it's not just about, you know, you asking them everything and having um, nothing to give back, right? So definitely agree with that. Thank you so much. Moving on to the next question, which is a wellness question, one of my personal favorites. Professional workload can be mentally, physically, and emotionally draining. What hobbies do you have that help you to manage stress and relax? Personally speaking, it's just the art of doing nothing. I'm sure a lot of people can resonate with that. But I would say, you know, how I really like to de-stress and relax is honestly taking some time to do the things I love. For example, lie in bed, you know, 
if it wasn't for this podcast, I would probably be lying in bed till like 3 p.m. watching movies, watching Netflix, being able to recuperate and not feel like I have to interact with other people, just be solely by myself with my own thoughts, I find is a great way to de-stress and relax because then I feel like I'm solely by myself. I can enjoy the time um, that I'm watching a movie with or just being able to take some time even on TikTok or Instagram. So I would say that's the first thing, the art of doing nothing. The second thing that I would say is my personal hobbies as well is just being able to, you know, take myself out on a date. Like (laughs) I honestly love to like go to coffee shops. I love to walk around, you know, go biking by myself, go to flower shops, like shopping, anything. So I would say taking time for myself doesn't necessarily mean just being cooped up at home. I'd say now that COVID is getting a little bit better, take yourself out on a date. Don't be afraid to spend time with yourself, to just go on a walk, listen to some good music, listen to some bangers, and then come back refreshed. So I would say those are my two ways that I I really like to distress. And I would say like once a week at least, I like to do that and just, you know, take my mind away from replying to friends, replying to family, and just be solely by myself listening to some good music, taking myself out on a date, and then coming back, you know, feeling good and refreshed. Thank you so much for that lovely answer. Um, I totally agree and resonate to that. Me time above all, and it's really what you need um, to really motivate and encourage yourself to go back into work, be it school, be it like actual work, better than ever. So love that answer. Thank you so much. Moving on to our last questions to do with your professional journey so far. What has been the proudest moment in your career so far? My proudest moment in my career is actually looking back at who I was going into it in November 2020 versus who I am now. So I'd say a lot of the time as I'm looking back at my career, and I would encourage everyone to do so as well. We fail to really see how much we've grown throughout like the four-month work term, the eight-month work term. And I think it's always important to take a step back to then look back and be like, hey, you know, the girl who came in in November 2020 was kind of scared of networking, was really scared to voice her opinions out in meetings, you know, wasn't really confident in her ability to, you know, add to the organization or make change or execute certain projects. But the person who I am today has done all of those things. I've been able to execute, you know, a whole product launch. I've been able to, you know, really grow my confidence in asserting my opinions in these team meetings. I've been able to present strategies to external stakeholders. All these things that I think coming into the job, I was so not confident in myself. So I'd say kind of taking a spin to this question, but the proudest moment in your career is honestly not one specific thing. It's about seeing the whole journey of your growth. And I would encourage everyone to take a look back, you know, think about who you were going into university versus who is the person you are today. Like, I'm sure like there's already been so much growth in that, that you should be just proud of like the mental strength 
of being able to to do that and being able to come so far. So I would say, you know, still a continuously learning journey, but definitely proudest moment is just thinking about all those big milestones of like who made me the person I am today. And that is definitely like all the hard work of being able to manage through COVID, being able to like learn the business I'm in, being able to assert my opinions in team meetings, all those build up to just proud moments. Thank you so much for that. I totally agree to that because we often get so caught up and we never really take the time to see how far we've come, how much we've learned and how much progress we've made. And that's something so important to really give yourself that pat on the back, right? Because how far you've come is definitely all of the effort and time and work and perseverance you've put in. So I totally agree to that. And I'm sure all of our audience should take back from that and really take that time to give themselves that pat on the back. For sure. Moving on to the third part of questions, uh, focusing on your podcast, Happy Spotless Minds. For us, it's especially exciting to have you here today as you have a podcast of your own. Could you tell us a little bit more about your podcast and how students can access it? Yeah, so thanks for the question to give me like a subtle plug for my podcast. (laughs) So it is called Happy Spotless Minds, and I started it back in September of last year. We're already in our second season as well. It's a business and lifestyle uh, career podcast, and it really aims to shed light on different perspectives. So what I do in specifically in in my second season is I've been talking to a lot of female entrepreneurs who have started their business about how they got to the place they are today, what motivates them, you know, what their business is about, and you know, sort of the inspiration behind it. So that is what second season is all about. So I've been able to interview, you know, like the Silk Labs. She's from Toronto, a lot of Toronto based as well as um, just across the world globally. And I think thanks to COVID, I'm able to have these like video podcasts where I can speak to someone who's maybe in Hong Kong or someone who's in Singapore, right? So I'd say that is mainly what my podcast is about, is really about shedding light and helping new grads as well as students be able to navigate and learn from people who have done it before. As I mentioned before, you know, I love listening to people's stories and I feel like you can learn so much from other people's experiences. And that is the core reason why I started my podcast, to be able to give people a platform to inspire and also teach other people you know, lessons that they wouldn't have known themselves. Because in so many instances, it's like, you don't know what you don't know. I know like that might not make sense, but it's just like, there's so many instances where it's like, there's no way you would know like how to do something, a certain experience, how to navigate through life. Because like, you haven't experienced it before, right? So being able to hear other people's stories is a way for you to learn before you encounter something and being able to navigate through that. And in terms of how students can access it, so it is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, um, all those standard Spotify like podcast platforms, it is on. So definitely take a listen. And I really want to hear everyone's perspective on it if they have any feedback. So yeah, feel free to shoot me a message if you if if you enjoyed it and if you have any ads or feedback for it. 
Thank you so much for that. I think that was a really powerful statement, what you just said about um, us not knowing what we don't know unless um, it pops up and then we realize, oh, yeah, I wish I knew that. Um, so I really agree to that. And I would definitely tune in to Happy Spotless Minds. And I'm pretty sure all of our audience will give it a listen as well. Moving on to our second question in this part. What do you have to say about the relevance of podcasts to students? Yeah, so again, biased because I have a podcast, but I talk to a lot of my friends and basically what they say is like, I listen to podcasts like when I'm doing work. It's kind of just like background noise to me. And like, I take offense to that because I put so much work into editing podcasts. I'm sure you guys resonate as well, right? Or they're like, I don't really like podcasts. Like, um maybe I listen to it in the car, but I rather listen to music. So I feel like there's there's a whole spectrum. I've met people who are like obsessed about podcasts. I'm definitely in that realm because I listen to a lot. And there are some that are just like, I'm not really on board yet. Like I don't really see the purpose of it. I would say there's a podcast for everyone. Just like how there's music for everyone, there's a podcast for everyone that will that everyone can enjoy. Just like how you listen to the radio, you know, people are talking there or you're reading books, you know, there's a book for everyone. There's a podcast for everyone. So I would encourage those who maybe aren't too on board with podcasts yet. It's not the platform. It's just, you haven't found the podcast you enjoy yet. And that's okay. But I would say, don't turn it down as a platform, but continue to explore because you will find something that you enjoy whether or not it's like murder mystery or it's business or it's you know wellness health and wellness or it's just like comedy just like for shits and giggles like you can have the podcast for that as well so I would encourage give it another try it's something refreshing and new besides from just music so yeah I mean Take a listen to Happy Spotless Minds. Maybe that'll be your next favorite podcast. I'm just joking. <laughs> no expectations there. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, I would encourage all of our audience to give Happy Spotless Minds a listen because there's so much to learn from all the guests. Uh, speaking of season two, we have all these entrepreneurs coming in talking about their journey. Um, so yeah, definitely everyone listen to Happy Spotless Minds. I'll link your podcast episode details in the description below so that students are easily able to access it. And have to agree, your podcast, your second season is amazing. I had a chance to listen to your episode with Jenna and really loved it. And I actually ended up purchasing some stuff from her. So, Oh my gosh, amazing. I will definitely tell her that. That is amazing. I love that. Moving on to the very last part of our questions. The first question we have for you in this conclusion question part is, what advice would you like to give your first year self? I think it would just be, as I was coming in into my first year, I was, first of all, like, I didn't know what I was passionate about. I was kind of just like going with the flow a lot of the times, like not really taking control of my life. So a lot of the times, like, I didn't have the confidence in myself because A, I didn't know who I was. I didn't do that self-discovery. And B, I had nothing to describe myself. When I was thinking, like, how would someone describe Heidi? I was just like, oh, like, maybe someone who's, like, happy, enthusiastic. 
But inside, I knew like, that's not all of me. Like, there's a lot more to me. I just didn't really take the time to get to know who I was as a person. And I think once I went into second year and I started you know, just experiencing more things, like being more open to club experiences, being more open to meeting new people, being more open to trying different courses in school, trying different activities, sports. I was then able to navigate through things I like and things I don't like. And I think that was the beginning of being able to understand who I was as a person to then put my confidence forward. Because I think confidence is the first ground and basic thing you need to do in order to propel yourself into success, whatever success means to you. So I really had to take a step back to be like, okay, what do I like? Who am I as a person? Who do I want to be as a person? And being able to answer those three questions really was able to kind of magically, not overnight, but over the course of a couple months, be able to give myself a lot of confidence to be like, okay, that podcast that I've always wanted to do, I can do it. Let me just start it. Let me do it now, right? Or, you know, all those times when I was really scared of networking with people because I was like, what do I even network about? Like, this is scary. Like, I don't want to talk to people. I was then able to be like, okay, I have the confidence and I know where I want to be. I want to be in a place where, you know, my career is, you know, I want to be in marketing. I want to be in CPG. How do I get there? Networking. Okay. I have the confidence because I want to get there. I know my goal is XYZ and I know I can push myself to that. So I would say, I know it's a vague concept is like, how do I just like get confident? in myself? Like, how do I just build confidence? I would say that starts off with sitting with yourself and answering those tough questions. You know, who are you as a person right now? You know, how do you want to be in the future? Let's say in the next like two to three years. And then being able to be like, okay, I am going to branch myself out to these experiences to then test out what I like and what I don't like. Because that's the grounding start of like how you build your own personality, how you build your own character, and how you really find what you're passionate about. Thank you so much. I totally agree with everything you just said. Um, especially self-discovery because we often assume like oh yeah of course I know what I want Um, but then again when we sit down to really think about it we just all go blank right so self-discovery is something so important especially um, for everyone um, who's um, a newcomer at uni be it first year second year um, I would encourage everyone to really go by what you just said you would to your first year self and really incorporate that into their lives. So thank you so much. Yeah. And I would say like self-discovery can just come from like being exposed to experiences. So if you're still kind of stuck as to like, how can I just like self-discover myself? I would say be open to experiences, you know, take that leap of faith because everything will work out and it will work out for the better. Definitely for sure. Moving on to the very, very last question of today's episode. What do you look forward to accomplishing and learning in the next few years, both personally and professionally? Personally and professionally, I think kind of like end up getting mixed together, especially as I'm starting my career. And I think a lot of people will also resonate with this. As new grads, somehow 
you you don't want it to, but your professional life ends up kind of being your personal life too. Because in your personal life, you just have all these career goals. You're so ready to work. You're so ready to meet these like successes of what you call success, career goals, et cetera, et cetera. In terms of what I look forward to accomplishing or learning, it would definitely be to understand what kind of culture I like. What kind of business do I want to work for? I think a lot of the times when we go into our first job, we're kind of just like, oh, I'm going in it for the name. I want to work at XYZ company because it's like prestigious. I want to work at this company because I know like it pays well. It'll get me somewhere. But I think what I want to learn more about myself as well as understand about, you know, corporate life or the industries that I'm working with is what can businesses do for me in terms of my personal growth and what aligns with my values? I think that's very important to learn and understand. So what I want to do is be able to test out different industries. I'm in CPG right now. I want to test out tech. I want to test out startup. I want to test out other, you know, functions within the CPG industry. I want to test out supply chain, sales, just other roles and be able to learn like, okay, marketing doesn't have to be the end-all be-all. There's so many other opportunities that could be a better fit for me. How do I see myself fitting in into an organization that I know I will love, I will really resonate with, and I will be able to learn from? So that's sort of my my short-term goals. Thank you so much, Heidi. Um, that sums up our episode today. So yeah, it was a pleasure for both of us to host your episode, and we loved it. Thank you so much, Hadi, for being with us today. We had an honor speaking with you and having you on the second season of Radio. I must say, this is one of the best episodes I've recorded so far. And I think it's also about, you know, you being a podcaster as well. I think that the perspectives that you brought in is very relatable. And also, it was interesting. It was all about, you know, having a growth mindset and and learning by by going through the way, right? Because like, I really like the answer that you provided to, you know, what has been your proudest accomplishment, because other people usually, you know, say that, oh, my current job is my proudest accomplishment, or the salary I earn is my proudest accomplishment. But I think that a lot of the times what we forget is, you know, how far we've come. And I just really loved all the answers that you provided and you provide such great insights into your role at work. So thank you so much. We had so much fun recording this with you. Thank you so much. It was super, super like just fun and a great experience to be on the other side. I've never been on the other side um, of being the podcast interviewee. So thank you so much again for letting me have this platform to even talk about my experiences. I think I'm always interviewing other people. So it's, it's always nice to be interviewed as well. So thank you to the both of you as well. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed today's conversation. If you find this episode and our podcast motivating and inspiring, feel free to share it with a friend or share it on your Instagram stories. This would be really helpful for us in getting more listeners. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on our social media platforms, which are linked in the show notes below, to stay updated on our upcoming episodes. See you next week on another episode of Radio Her. Thank you.